podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello everyone and welcome to our 97th episode of Two Slips and a Gully. I am joined this evening by Glenn. Hello, how are you? I am excellent and do you know why Glenn? Why is that? Because we're recording this on the eve of the Ashes series. That's yeah. right, Test Cricket is about to be played in Australia again. Yes, first time we did, I did the math, kind of, in my head, vaguely. Uh, 322 days. Since our last test. That's way too long. Um, it should be a crime yep. for it to be that long between uh, tests for Australia. January 19th last year. Um, that was the fifth day of the, the India-Australia test. At the Gabba, uh, yes. At the Gabba. Yes. Which we lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. So hoping for a better result this time. So it's going to be at the Gabba again. So it's got two test matches in a row. I can't imagine the last time that Australia's played two tests at the same venue in a row mm. that long apart. That's uh, Yeah, that is yeah, an interesting stat. We've always seemed to find somewhere else in the world to travel to play before we end up going to the, the Gabba again. So it's going to be... <laughs> back-to-back chests. Back-to-back chests. almost a year apart. Who says that the Queenslanders <laughs> don't get any love? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you've been following our podcast along, you'd be knowing that as we're going through the, our episodes in the 90s, we've been counting down the... Uh, the top 90 getters by Australians. Um, for those of you who don't know, Michael Slater famously has nine dismissals in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve Waugh has uh, 10 scores in the 90s, eight dismissals and two not outs. So as we get to the corresponding episode, we've just been giving a bit of a shout out to those guys as they go through. And as it happens, Tugger didn't have any 97s, so he doesn't yeah. get a shout-out in this one. Yep. But when he got to 97, he usually went on with it. <laughs> Slats, on the other hand, he managed to get one. So one of his yeah. nine, he was a 97, and it was on the 18th of November against Pakistan at Bell Reeve. In the first innings, he scored 97. Now, you might be 90, able to tell 96, was it? 1999. 1999. Right. Now, you might be able to tell me some interesting trivia about this test, Glenn. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it was the biggest partnership for the seventh wicket. Uh, was Gilly on debut? I believe it was his second test. Second test, right. Yeah. Um, what else? <laughs> so, yeah, it's the, it's the famous run chase between... Um, Langer, Langer yeah. and Gilchrist in the fourth innings against Pakistan, yeah. where on the day Langer didn't hit it, but retrospectively <laughs> he hit the cover off the ball on his way to 100. The yeah. great big Snicko spike. I think Snicko was only pretty new then. And um, and then uh, Gilly, of course, got the job done, seeing his home in the fourth innings in a fantastic run chase against uh, Pakistan, which boasted uh, Wakar Yunus, uh, Wazim Akram and Shoa Bakhtar. Yes. Uh, to get a uh, very, very famous, very famous fourth innings run chase, and of course the uh, announcement of a superstar on the scene in Adam Gilchrist coming in at seven, and as he has made a career doing, changed the fortunes of Australia from uh, the middle order. Just when he mm. thought that you were into the bowlers, yeah. out strides Adam Gilchrist to, to I mean, do that, the damage. That set the scene for his career, basically. You know, 
how someone could score that aggressively but seemingly take so few risks. I think that kind of sums Gilly up, really. Yes, but uh, of course we wouldn't have been in that position uh, at all without uh, some first innings heroics out of Michael Slater with his 97 because we were bundled out for about 249, I believe, in that game in the Mm. first innings, which sort of set up that 370-odd run chase. And so that 249 was largely put together by a pretty good innings by by Slats. So Mm. uh, the unsung hero of that game helping set Australia up to at least be within a a puncher's shout by the end of it, and that's all, all they needed. So well done, Slats. Uh, probably if he scored those extra three runs, he'd probably be a lot more highly regarded out of that test than, than just Langer. <laughs> yeah, well, and, everyone remembers Langer, Gilchrist. Yeah, no one remembers that 97. <laughs> so, of course, uh, we're recording this one, as we said, on the eve of the Ashes, and uh, so all of this podcast will be Ashes-related. We'll have our... Uh, Analysis of of the two teams. Australia, of course, have already announced their 11. England have announced their squad of 12. And so we'll go through and just give our thoughts on that, give some previews of the series, you know, chat about, uh, you know, know, what's going on with the the venues and all that sort of stuff. So this one, strap yourselves in, is going to be full of Ashes goodness and all of that is coming up right after this. So the Ashes are finally on our doorstep, and I think we should probably start our uh, a little chat about the Ashes with some breaking news that's only come out in the last several hours as we've been recording this, is that James Anderson has been officially ruled out of the first test. Mm, interesting. Uh, initially, it was reported that he had a calf injury, uh, but it's since come out that uh, he he's not injured. He's a little underdone, says England, so they don't think he's quite ready in terms of his conditioning to take part in the first test, and they don't want to risk him the same way they did in the first test, the 2019 Ashes, which ruled him out for mm. um, of that game. And so they're trying to get him ready to go for the pink ball test in Adelaide. So, yeah, big big gamble there that, yeah, they're not going in with Anderson. So that, that's, uh, Well, there's lots of talk that the... Uh Unusual conditions that we're experiencing in Australia right now, and for overseas listeners, that's that we're having a hell of a lot of rain and humidity, and just yeah, uh, because of the La Nina thing. Um, so there was talk that we might have more English-friendly conditions. Um, so uh, that's that's where you want Anderson bowling, um, but yeah, I guess. You know, he's 39 years old, <laughs> so you've got to look after him. You're, you're only going to get so much more out of him. Yeah, so I suppose that they're looking to make sure, obviously, the, the pink ball is... Anderson has his only five-wicket haul in Australia at the pink ball test in the last Ashes series, so it's certainly yeah. one they're expecting Anderson to do very well, bowling in the lights with the pink ball, so they obviously want to make sure that Anderson is fit and fighting, ready to go for that one, So, yeah. which does... Um, I mean, it's a, that's one part of the puzzle that has been answered. So England have announced that their 12-man squad will be Joe Root, Stuart Broad, Rory Burns, Joss Butler, uh, Hamid, Leach, Milan, Pope, Ollie Robinson, Ben Stokes, Chris Wokes, and Mark Wood. So obviously Anderson has come out of that. And uh, surprisingly to some, oh, I thought it made 
a lot of sense, to be fair, uh, is Johnny Bairstow has not made the squad, which means that Pope is looking at taking that middle order spot, either five or six, depending on where they bat Ben Stokes. So I suppose the only question that comes down now out of that is uh, what bowlers are they going to take because their top order looks the same as what they ran with in their in their last test. Uh, Butler is obviously the only keeper, so he, oh, and with no Bearstow, that means that... Um, yeah, there's that, no conjecture there's there. There's no conjecture there, so it's just going to come down to what combination of bowlers. Uh, for me personally, I don't know necessarily whether or not you'll agree with me, is I don't think that they should be wasting their time with, with Jack Leach. I, I personally don't rate him as that much of a dangerous spinner. No. They, uh, they've got bowlers like... Uh, Wokes and Robinson and Broad, who in Australia are, are largely going to do a holding job. They're going to be that guy that nags away at at, uh, at the stumps, bowling tight lines, drying up the runs, and their spinner will largely do the same thing. He doesn't get a great deal of turn. He doesn't get a great deal of bounce. I just don't think the conditions necessarily suit what he does. Mm. And I think the conditions, as you said, with plenty of rain about in, in Brisbane would suit going that extra quick. Yeah. Because I think it's going- Well, it, it, I think we, we might have covered it last week or it might have just been a, a chat we were having off air or off, off recording. Um, but uh, if they go with uh, the four quicks and Stokes, it means that if... Mark Woods having an off day, they don't have to bowl him that much and they can just bring him on when they need that that extra bit of pace and uh, to break partnerships and that kind of thing. He doesn't have to be a workhorse that way. Because mm. I, I think with Anderson out, they have to go with Chris Wokes. Mm. He is uh, the, the only other genuine swing bowler. In that lineup, and I think in uh, in Brisbane, they're going to be in the conditions there. They're going to be trying to get as much swing as they can. Yeah. So I think he has to be the straight swap for for Anderson. Mm-hmm. They'd be crazy not to pick Ollie Robinson because I think Ollie Robinson's probably going to be their best bowler over the course of this of this summer. He's tall. He bowls a heavy ball. He likes bowling that back of a length, that McGrath Hazelwood sort yeah. of line. So I think mm-hmm. that they'd be crazy not to pick him, and then. It comes down to so Leach, Broad, and and Wood playing off for the one spot, yeah, or the for the two spots. Sorry, and Broad's had a, you know modicums of success every now and then. He's had some success at the Gabba before, yeah. Um, he's very experienced. He's been here. He's done that. I can see England picking Stuart Broad, mm. which means then you've got one spot left for Mark Wood or Jack Leach. And if I'm on a, you know, pictures, they've released pictures two days out from, from the test and the pitch is looking very green. So you've got Gabba, which is typically one of the faster, bouncier tracks that Australia's got. Uh, the overhead conditions are conducive for quicker bowling with plenty of, you know, humidity and moisture in the air. Yeah. I just don't see any rationalisation that Mark Wood would be less valuable to your team well, than I don't Jack Leach. If I know the English selectors, I know that they'll probably be conservative. And I think having four quicks is a sort of adventurous structure. It's, I, it's, I, I, for mine, I just don't see what Jack Leach will do that uh, Joe Root can't do. I don't. By I don't, the left arm. I don't see. <laughs> I don't see um, Leach being used. 
as a genuine wicket-taking option at the Gabba. He's going to be there to spell the bowlers, try and dry up the run rate, you know, control an end yeah. so you can rotate your quicks at the other end. It's I, every English spinner ever. <laughs> I, I just don't see yeah. why yeah. Joe Root can't do that job. Like, for mine, the, the momentum of the series really hinges on this game. Uh, especially with their yeah, they're leaving Anderson out, who's one of their best bowlers, to try and pick up the pieces at Adelaide. England can't afford to come out to the Gabba and just get routed. No, the, the, if they they get like at the moment, all the conjecture about the Australian side, which we'll get to it shortly, is have been about how underdone they are, how little cricket they've played, the question marks around all the left-handers in the lineup, and all the people that have you know Travis Head's been inconsistent, Marcus Harris has been inconsistent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know uh, Mitchell mm. Stark struggling for form, Nathan Lyons coming off a poor series, Alex Carey is a debutant. Uh, they can't afford for that for that team for the Australian team to come in and click and get things right and route England because that, that'll just carry all the momentum mm. into the next game. And for the rest of the series, all of the doubters... Take a lot of pressure off, off yeah. those who have the pressure on them. All of yeah. the doubters will be quiet now because Australia's just come out and, you know, they're supposed to be this side that's really struggling and they've just routed England. Business is normal. You know, all the yeah. all the concerns we had over the, the English lineup have been confirmed. Uh, business as usual, nothing to see here, bring on the 5-0 whitewash. That's what's going to be coming out if Australia go out and mop the floor with England. England have to come out of the Gabba and do their best to give Australia a bloody nose, even if it's a draw, but they have to give Australia a bloody nose. They've got to go yeah. show that they're in for the fight, that uh, they're not going to pull any punches, they're going to keep the Australians hopping and on their toes, and the best way to do that, I feel, is with Mark Wood rather than Jack Leach mm. because yeah. I can't see Mark Wood getting much of a run at either of the, the cricket grounds, Melbourne and Sydney. I just don't think the conditions will will suit him well there. No. We're not going to be playing at Perth. That's been confirmed. That's the other bouncy track that you would likely utilise Mark Wood. So it's going to really come down to basically the Gabba. Yeah. You have to imagine that Anderson will play at Adelaide. Wokes will stay in the team because he's also a swing bowler. So this could be the only game that really suits Mark Wood mm. and it's just crazy not to go with him. And I'd much rather be facing Jack Leach as an Australian batsman than having the one genuine English quick coming down and bowling. Even if all his job is, is I don't want... Even if Joe Root says, all you're going to do for the next five days is when you bowl, you're just going to bowl bounces over and over and over <laughs> and just really just keep the Australians hopping. Yeah. Um, but I just feel it's going to be more beneficial... Yeah, I, I don't have any arguments against you, but I just don't know if the English selectors will be that adventurous. I think they might just go for the traditional structure of four quicks and a spinner. I suppose the only counter-argument is that um, you kind of nullify um, Ben Stokes if he's got to wait for four main quicks to get through the ball before Also, he gets- too, it takes the pressure off Ben Stokes. I mean, he hasn't played a lot of cricket. I mean, it's one thing to be informed with the bat and get that going, but, uh, you know, Ben Stokes is a, a heavy hit-the-deck sort of bowler. Yeah. You know, how much, how fit is he, how ready is he to shoulder a, a, the load as a fourth quick, especially if, if conditions do suit fast bowling, which means that Jack Leach may not be utilised at all for the first couple of days because you're trying yeah. to get the most out of the wicket. Mm. Is... Stokes ready to go and to bowl, you know, somewhere between twelve and twenty overs in an innings mm. to to back that up. 
Yeah, well, that's a good point also. Um, yeah, I just don't think, I don't think they'll go for it. I think they'll, you know, like when you go in without a spinner, that's always in the back of your mind where it's like, oh, what if we... Yeah, what if the pitch just, ends up breaking up on yeah. day five and we look like... But yeah. I just don't see that Jack Leach is that sort of spinner anyway. Mm. Uh, the the I mean, bowl, bowl you to victory kind I, of spinner. I mean, over in India when the, the pitches were absolute... M- minefields. Joe Root was as effective, if not more effective, than Jack Leach. So again, I, I, I just, for mine, I, I don't see that Jack Leach offers too much more mm. than what Joe Root already can provide you. I, I, from where I see it, Jack Leach's role in Australia will be to not go for runs, tie up and end. If you manage to jag a few wickets, that's absolutely golden. But what we want you to do is we want you to operate from this end and we're going to rotate our quicks at the other end and, you know, keep everyone nice and fresh. And Joe Root can do that. Yeah. Uh, and I just I don't think that Leach does that job that much better than Joe Root that it's worth not picking one of their quicks who I think will do better jobs than him in Australia. But, yeah, like you said, I, uh, I agree with you. I don't think the selectors of <laughs> yeah. England will be that adventurous. Yeah, I, I think we'll wake up tomorrow and, and Leach will be there. Oh, I'd absolutely be yeah. just loving it to wake, to wake up tomorrow, go on, turn the coverage on, and to see England have announced that, you know, their lineup will be Wokes, and, uh, Wokes Robinson, Broad, Leach. I'll just be like, yeah, cool, awesome, <laughs> deal with that. That's yeah. I'm perfectly happy with that. Hmm. Uh, so, what do we of that side? What do we think of it? We've we've talked about it progressively over the last sort of dozen or so podcasts leading in. Um, yeah. How do you rate this England squad? What do you What do you think? Where do you think the the battle is going to be won and lost for England to win the series? Who's got to do a good job for them? Well, Joe Root is the obvious, like <laughs> captain, obvious, literally the captain. Um, I think if he fires. Uh, the, it'll take the pressure off off the guys who are not as secure in the side. Uh, I think he, he has looked good as <laughs> as much as we like to uh, begrudgingly say it. He looked good in that uh, recent series over in England. Um, you mean the the Indian series? The Indian series, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, whether he's adapted his game to, to suit Australian conditions, I'm not sure. Well, he... Uh, he uh, he's yet to score a test hundred in Australia, so that's going to be weighing. I think at twenty eight is what he averages in Australia. So yeah. you know, there is a lot of talk, and rightly so. Joe Root is having a phenomenal patch of form, yeah. but he he's never really produced here in Australia. So it's not a sure thing that even with this phenomenal form, that Joe Root's going to uh, get the job done and, and turn that into runs. And while while it's obviously you're correct, Joe Root is a player that. Uh, um, has to do well for England to win. Uh, I think what we saw, you mentioned that Indian series where he was playing well. England were being pretty handily handled for most parts of that series with Joe Root being in phenomenal so touch. So you think that Australia will just bowl around Joe Root and look to try and well, take I, I think they're going to try and get him out as well. But <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. the, point, the, the point I was making is that even if Joe Root does well, mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that England... Are going England are going to do well. What Joe Root yeah. needs is other players to stand up. I think for mine, the player that really needs to stand up for um, for England would be David Milan. He's a player that has scored runs in Australia in the last tour, mm-hmm. and, and they need someone else in that top order to get 
the job done before Root gets there. Because yeah. if Joe Root's going to come out in Australia at two for not many for most of these tests... Too much. It's too much. And as good a form as he is, there's too many question marks over how his game translates to playing in Australia. You know that uh, Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, those guys are going to be gunning for him. Yep. And odds are, statistically speaking, the odds are that Joe Root will fail in Australia more often than he will succeed. So if Joe Root's coming in with a pretty new kookaburra, yeah. odds are that it's not going to go well for him. So he's going to really need one of their, one of their top three, and I think the most obvious one is a guy like Milan, yeah. to really dig in and have a big series to go along with him. We know mm. obviously they're big games like um, like Root and Stokes are going to have to do the job, but of the ancillary players, Milan for, my, for me is the key mm. for uh, for the England batting lineup. He's got to really come in at three. We know that Hamid and, and Burns, they're just going to try and graft innings and hang out there for as long as they can. Mm. But Milan, I think, needs to offer a, a bit of a counterpunch at three. Doesn't yeah. have to be reckless, but he's got to. There's got to be have some scoring impetus, some, in, some intent, yeah. to try and put some pressure back on the Australians before before Joe Root gets out there. Because even still, even if all the top three hang around for 50, 60 balls but don't score much, they're still. By the time Root gets out there, they could be you know two for eighty mm. halfway through the the middle session, and yeah. Australia's going to be like, well, that's not too bad. We're you know we're. 40 overs in, 50 overs in, and they're on 80 runs. Well, we can work with that. Mm. So, yeah, I think Milan, for my, he's the key to their their top order outside of Joe Root. He needs to really mm. get a job done. Yeah. Uh, big question marks over their bowling attack is always one thing that comes up when we're talking about England coming to Australia. Yeah, it's, all, it's always about the penetration. Like, well, will, they get, will they get 20 wickets in five days? Well, probably... Not in five days, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I still can't see it. To be honest, I can't see where it's coming from. Um, maybe if Stokes has like a, a sort of Franti, Freddie Flintoff esque series, like you know the two thousand and five Freddie Flintoff. Mm. Um, I, I don't think Sto- different. I don't think condition. Stokes is that sort of all rounder. Flintoff yeah. could almost have played as a genuine opening bowler for them and not even worry about his batting. He was that good. And Stokes is a good bowler, don't get me wrong, but he's just not, he's not that style of bowler. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I think Stokes is going to be the guy for mine who's going to, who looks like he could probably do the most dangerous things with the ball. Like he's got that bit of that mean fast bowler grunt about him. Yeah. Uh, But uh, as I said at the outset, I think Ollie Robinson's going to be, big for them. He's a player that doesn't necessarily need the ball to be swinging around a lot to be effective, whereas yeah. Anderson and Wokes are players that typically do. You get the best out of them when the ball's swinging. Mm. Uh, Robinson's a guy that should, in theory, have a lot of success with the, the harder pitches and the extra bounce that he's going to get, kind of like Chris Tremlett in the mm. 10-11 series who yeah, really sort yeah. of undid Australia with that, you know, with that extra bounce. And yeah. that aggressive sort of line, and I think he is going to be a guy that's really yeah. got to shoulder a lot of the Chris, load. Chris Tremlett, Tim Bresnan kind of style bowlers. Well, Bresnan was even Bresnan was just sort of that English medium pacer. Tremlett sort of really came out and mm. really roughed up a few of the Australians in that uh, in that last series that he played in over here in, in t- last time they won a series. 
Yeah. And I think that's going to be key because we've seen Anderson as he's gotten older really struggle for penetration hmm. in the third and fourth innings. As some people do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> had, to, had to have that little dig. Um, yeah, he's really struggled even in England with the Duke. Yeah. In the third and fourth innings to make any headway. I think he averages 100 and, 101 or something in the third and fourth innings since uh, the beginning of 2020. So he's a guy that's, um, as he's gotten older and his few more injuries and stuff, he's really been sort of that one-trick pony. Yeah. New ball, first up, does the damage, but it has struggled to really offer a lot of assistance. Like, he still isn't going for runs. He's just not jagging any of the wickets in the second innings. Hmm. Uh, and so if that if that's something a trend that's going to continue, then they're going to need guys like Robinson and and probably Broad. I think Broad and Robinson are the two guys that are going to play most of the games. And you'll see Wokes, Anderson, Wood mm. fluctuate in and out as fitness and the and the pitches dictate. Yeah. Their their guys are going to have to be on it all the time and especially Robinson's going to have to find ways to consistently to get wickets. Mm. Well, I, I don't know. I think uh, the the way that they're picking their attack, they'll be. I think they'll be looking to keep the economy down to like two two and a half and over max, um, and just bore Australia out. I just can't see. I don't see that many wicket taking options. They might. I mean, and they might build that dot ball pressure on some of the guys who are, who are on the outer. Um, yeah, you know, you probably can't really go that method against Steve Smith or Dave Warner. They're, they're going to get on top of you. But and Marty so, Slavishane, those three guys are going to be guys yeah. that are happy to absorb yeah. all that pressure and grind out a yeah, but, a score. But say so your your Marcus Harris is of the world. Your Travis, Travis Head. Travis Head has a track record of getting bored and getting out. Yeah, um, Cameron Green. Um, yeah. Green, I thought, batted with a lot of discipline in that Indian series. So I don't think they're going to be one. He's going to be one that's going to be too worried. I mean, mm. he came in at four for not many, or four for you know, in a real tricky situation. We weren't sort of ahead in the game, and we weren't, you know, we weren't in solid position, but we weren't, you know, falling over ourselves either. And he had to absorb a lot of pressure from the Indians while a, a, an innings was rebuilt sort of around him. And he only managed to translate into one score over 50, but he did bat for a long period of time and showed a solid a solid defensive technique. So I think yeah. he's a guy that's going to – he'll be happy to spend as much time as a crease as he can. I don't know. Like the way I see it, they'll – yeah, they'll just try and keep the, the runs down, pick up wickets when they can. Um, really just try and play the long game on it and then they'll just try and have to bat back Joe Root to score big hundreds, double hundreds, that kind of thing. Um, that's the only way I can see them winning. Yeah. Uh, for mine, I think for this England attack, and obviously it's an attack that they wanted to bring more more heat. They wanted to bring Joffre Archer. They wanted to bring Ollie Stone, some real genuine quicks to rough the Aussies up. But unfortunately, yeah. due to injury, that's they've been left with... Mark Wood is the only real enforcer of that attack, so they've had to yeah. rejig so their strategy. That, that was run. that was by necessity rather than by by tactics, because I'm, I'm just looking at their their squad and it's just you know guys who hit the same spot. Yeah, I, I do... think they've picked the the best the best players of what was left over. Yeah, uh, with but I think had those players been been healthy, guys like Overton and and people like that would have missed out on the squad, and you would have been seeing a much. Hmm. More vibrant and a lot more aggressive attack because uh, I think they've rec- England have recognised that 
Anderson and Broad and Overton and Wokes and Bresnan and those sort of medium paces do. Mm. They lack for the penetration over on Australian pitches. So I think they recognised that they needed to change it up and then circumstances came out of you know, were taken out of their hands by by some some serious injuries to those players. So then they've they've yeah. gone back to plan B, which tend for fringless senses back yeah. to plan A. Back to plan A. Uh, but but I'm with you. Grind it out. With that attack, I think they're hoping that Australia play poorly. Yeah. That that Mark guys like Marcus Harris, guys like Dave Moore, especially the left handers, uh, you know, susceptible to that right arm around the wicket, angling in, taking it away line that works so well in England. I just don't know how much that's going to work in Australia when the Kookaburra doesn't swing as much as the Duke does or for anywhere near as long. So even if they are settling into that and it's giving guys like Harris and Warner trouble, they just know that they've, you know, the sun's out, the Kookaburra will stop in, you know, 10 overs or so or even yeah. less. Yeah. All I've got to do is just knuckle down, wait an hour, and then I can just start crashing through the line and really cash in, whereas in England that just kept – just kept moving over and over and over, and they, you know, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So yeah, I think for looking at that attack, Australia is going to have to play poorly for England to take twenty wickets. Yeah. I suppose we should have a bit of a talk about the Australians now that we've run our finger over the English side. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we were quite derisive about the English as always. Well, I've got some criticisms of the Australian side too. So yeah, obviously yeah. this has been a preparation that has been fraught with various dramas. Obviously that we mm-hmm. had to talk about the Tim Payne yeah. uh, drama in I think, our last episode. I think there's episode. been enough said about that now. Yeah, we, we're not going down there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've got Cummins uh, who is been appointed as the 47th captain of Australia, uh, the first yep. fast bowler uh, to captain the side since 1956 with Ray Lindwall, and we should probably say it's probably the first fast bowler that I can think of that has actually been appointed captain rather than filling mm. in for an injured captain, which was the case with, with Ray Lindwall. So mm. uh, at least since post-World War Two, I can't think of... Anyone that's jumped out, or an know, Australian, Keith Miller is, but he was an all-rounder. Yeah, uh, but an out-and-out, just a, a normal fast bowler. Fast bowler, who, but you know, guy who bats below seven. So, um, yeah, yeah. This is he'd be he'd be mm. one of the first. So congratulations to to Pat, and he's got quite the job ahead of him with uh, debuting in the Ashes. He would probably argue that he's an all-rounder. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that uh, that first Border Gavaskar Trophy after the. Um, the Smith Warner band. Yeah, he was our second best batsman. He was our second best batsman. So yeah. that's when the all rounder stuff started. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Steve Smith, he has been appointed the deputy. And from the sounds of things, being a little cynical, it sounds a lot like that uh, yeah. Pat Cummins is going to be the poster boy. He'll be the, yeah. the pretty face in the baggy green and the, <laughs> and the, and the, the blazer. Captain. Go out and talk to the press. And from what yeah. they're saying, they're going to be utilizing Smith a lot to help with. Fielding changes, bowling changes, all that sort of stuff. So Smith's yeah. going to take a much more hands-on role as vice captain, so which captain. I think is a good thing to take yeah. the pressure off off Cummins. What I am disappointed about that is if that's the case, why not, why not just, not just a give spade a spade? just give Smith the captaincy? Yeah. Uh, but obviously, the too many people in the PR department uh, didn't want that, so we went with with Cummins. But 
I'm sure Cummins, you know, yeah. he's been around the game for a long time. He's a very talented young man. I'm sure he's going to make a, a, a wonderful captain, and that partnership with Steve Smith is only going to uh, make his job a lot easier, which is what we want. We want Cummins' hmm. job as easy as possible so we can just run in and bowl and take a lot of wickets. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's been um, a few of the fast bowlers in the past of Australia write some articles about how a batsman never really understands what a bowler goes through. So we're in new territory um, with having a bowling captain, and it may it may uh, yield some unexpected results. Yeah. I have no issues with Cummins being the captain. My, my only concerns are, obviously, he's never captained a first-class game before, so how how prepared is he to do all of the, the jobs that entail? And he's our best bowler. Yeah. And first and foremost, what I want out of Pat Cummins is Wicked. for him to bowl yeah. well. Mm. And I don't want him going, oh, should I bring myself back on, you know, or do I need it? Like, I don't want him overcomplicating things in his mind yeah. when, you know, when it was Tim Payne or Steve Smith or whoever, when they wanted a wicket, they'd throw the ball to Pat. Yeah. Um, I don't want Pat second-guessing himself to go, am I the right choice or should I give it to, to Starkey or should I bring Lyon back on or, you know, uh, I need to be fit for all or, five games, so do I put a bowling limit on myself to make even, sure I make yeah, the whole series? Yeah, or even like, like, like going the opposite way and taking the ball too often. Yeah, or yeah, going, the same okay, thing. I'm going to get this. Got to do, you know, captain's knock here. You know, we always yeah. talk about captain's knock with the bat that they go out and score those big hundreds. Is he like... You know, I need to get that captain's knock Pfeiffer and really push himself trying to bust through the yeah. the Indian the, the Indian the English middle order to try and to do that. So, mm. you know, and there are other you know concerns. You know, most fast bowlers will go down to fine leg and rest there, and it becomes hard to manage a side when for your spell you're not amongst your players. But I suppose that's why you've got Steve Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't have any issues with Cummins. Being captain as a fast bowler, I just have issues with the fact that Cummins hasn't done it before and would his captaincy impact on his skill set that makes him so valuable to the side. So, but, you know, I'm sure that's something that Langer and co were aware of and that they know that they need to get the most out of Cummins to win this series. Yeah. So I think that's why they've gone and given Smith that elevated role so everyone knows that, you know, yeah, Pat's the captain, but... Yeah. When when he needs to step away and just concentrate on being Pat Cummins, number one test bowler, yeah. Steve Smith can take the reins and yeah. Pat will know that the team is in is in good hands. Uh, so we'll run through the side. The, Pat Cummins has come out in one of his first official duties as he's announced the side well ahead of schedule. We haven't had the, the stuffing around waiting for the toss. Yeah. Uh, Warner and uh, and Harris opening the batting. Lavish yeah. James at three, Smith at four. They've gone with Travis Head. Travis Head has beaten out Usman Khawaja to take that spot at five. Yeah, um, as expected. As expected. On this podcast. Uh, yeah. Cameron Green is uh, maintaining his spot at six. Uh, Alex Carey, as who was already announced uh, earlier in the week, is taking up Tim Payne's spot as the wicketkeeper at seven. Yeah. Um, Pat Cummins is at eight, and then the only other spot that was really under any sort of conjecture was the other f- bowler, and Mitchell Stark has taken out that spot at nine, line at yeah. 10, Hazelwood at 11. So that is the, mm. the side that we'll be going through. And uh, I'm relatively happy with I think with under that. the circumstances, they've probably made the right call on this test. Um, 
I would have been very tempted to take Jai Richardson. Yeah, I would have no issues at all if they picked Richardson, though yeah. I do think that if you're going to get anything out of Mitchell Stark, yeah. it's going to be at the Gabba and it's going to be at Adelaide. So, mm. But what Australia needs to do is they can't... Aff- Stark no longer doesn't have those chips in the bank anymore where it can be, we'll stick with him and hope it turns it right. That was last year. We yeah. stuck with Stark hoping he got it right against the Indians and it backfired. Yeah, uh, He's coming off. We haven't played tests in a year. We're, I think, at two grounds, or the, the first two tests at the very least are things that should be right in Stark's wheelhouse. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm happy for that stay of execution, but there's no more of this let Mitchell Stark play into a series because he simply just he doesn't do it. He gets worse as the series goes on. Yeah. That's what the stats are saying. Um, so he needs to get in, he needs to produce, and he needs to produce right away. If, if he's coming out of the Gabba and he's really struggling for rhythm and his pace is down, he's bowling a lot of wides and really just letting the pressure off, I wouldn't even take him to Adelaide. I'd just be like, no, we, yeah. we're getting out of dodge while we can. So you've got you've got performing this test or or, no, it doesn't necessarily, or you're wielding the axe. It doesn't necessarily need to be take a bag of wickets, it's but he's just, just got, got to look, look good. good. He's yeah. got to look like... Look like because sometimes you can bowl your ass off and be phenomenal yeah. and, and just beat the bat, and, beat the bat yeah. and just not get anywhere. Yeah. So he doesn't have to come out. I'm not saying it's Pfeiffer or he's done. He's got a party with Michelle or he's back in state cricket. Yeah. But he does need to look like that. His rhythm's good. His pace is up. He's you know pitching it on the right side and you know hitting his mm. lines and lengths and yeah. you know not going for too many runs and applying pressure and you know pulling yeah. out the short ball. He's got to look like. He's, turned he's it dangerous around. and turn yeah. it around. And if he hasn't, I think you just – like Jai Richardson's on fire, absolute fire in the Shield competition mm. at the moment. And, you, and you've still got guys like Nisa who are yeah, well, in and around he, the side. He's gotten something like 15 wickets in his last two matches, Jai Richardson. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. phenomenal. Phenomenal. He's I think it's average of 12 or something that he's it's, got so far. Yeah. 15 wickets at 12 or something ridiculous like that in his, to start his Shield campaign. And that is including that he had a um, – a back spasm in his first game and only ended up bowling, I think, two overs in the second innings. Right. So Crazy. So he only played half a game of one of his games and he's still yeah. taken that bag load of wickets. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Mitchell Stark. I've actually got this feeling in the back of my head that this is going to be a really yeah. good series for Stark, like a Johnson-esque series for Stark. I think he's going to... You know, Tor coming out, you know, Ponting said that he was at the at, um, at training and saw that Mitchell Stark was bowling phenomenally well in the nets. Yeah. A- and Well, but they've been saying that for a while. You know, no, I know they're not, not going to they're, they're come out the, and say that he's rubbish. Ex- yeah, exactly. All of the experts keep saying, oh, you know, he's, it's, it, the action has been tweaked. They talk about the action being tweaked. I'm like, well, maybe it's different, but it's not still, it's still not working. I think he's getting, still broken. He's Send getting. He's copping a lot of flack for obviously a, a really poor return in the World Cup final. Yeah. But leading into the World Cup final, he was good without being amazing, and he was never really going to be super amazing on those. Yeah. On those pitches, so I think that he, his job was good enough that you keep him in contention, and unfortunately, he just didn't get it right in the final. Yeah. So if, if he's translating that now on friendly pitches that it should do a job for him, I'm ha- yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm happy to give him a go, but. I'd almost, unless he is absolutely tearing through the English, I'd be tempted just to pat bowling for the first two games. Yeah. And then really have second thoughts about, or maybe even rest in Boxing Day and bring him back for Sydney yeah. uh, sort of thing because you know that he's a bowler that, that probably would 
a, a break in proceedings will be good for him because mm, yeah. the more consecutive tests he plays, the worse he ends up playing over the last few times. Yeah, it's good to have Jai there. I think he's going to make his... Oh, no, he has debuted, hasn't he? Yeah, he debuted he's against gonna, Sri Lanka and did really well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I think he will get his opportunity this series. Casting our eyes at the batting lineup, uh, so obviously Warner will be out for some redemption. He had a horror 2019 Ashes. Stuart Broad yep. is likely still giving him nightmares. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be looking, but he has such a phenomenal average at home. Yeah, uh, I, I know that the um, the Pakistan players in that summer and the New Zealanders tried to do that uh, around the wicket, angling it in, taking away. <laughs> it didn't really yeah, they pay didn't off. Seem to realise that it was a really unique circumstance. It was uh, a very skillful thing that Stuart Ball was doing under particular English conditions. It wasn't just yeah, just oh, all we got to do is go around, around the, the wicket. Yeah, yeah, go around the wicket and you'll get himself yeah. out. Uh, and and I think yeah, they're going to be lucky to get those sim- those same conditions here. So I'm picking a, a particularly strong series from Warner, especially considering that uh, he had a a strong finish to the World Cup where he was sort of struggling initially. So obviously we all know it's a big transition from 2020 cricket to to, to Test cricket, but Warner has shown that he's one of the players that can successfully do that, and if he's yeah. and and runs anywhere for Warner, seem to mean that he will get it right mm. in whatever format is in. He, his one day form or his what twenty twenty four will translate into those other formats. So yeah. if he's scoring what scoring really well in the short form, he tends to feel good about himself and um, come out. But yeah, the the opening the openers, how Warner and Harris will have a job to do because England like bowling to to left handers. Mm. And um, yeah, and so they've got a job to do to protect the Australian middle order again because they know that's what they're going to get. Mm. They're going to get uh, round the wicket, seeming in, angling or angling in, seeming away. So yeah, they've got a job to do to make sure that they can hold those likes of Wokes Broad out and and make a good platform, especially for Marcus Harris because I think this is you know this is third time's a charm you've. You've come in for the the 2018 series against India. You um, you led the team in scoring in a pretty dismal effort overall from our batsmen, but you kept getting starts and getting yourself out. And then since then, it's been more of the same. Lots of loose play outside of off stump means that he's fallen in and out of favour with the with the side. As it is, if Will Pukowski was healthy, he wouldn't be playing now. So I think this is a big series for, for Marcus Harris. Yeah. Um, the domestic form's all there. He's one of the better performing openers in the domestic circuit, both in Australia and over, over in the county cricket system. Yes. Um, so now it's, he's got a – is he a guy that is one of those domestic bullies mm. or is he a guy that can turn good domestic form into a, a, a solid international career? That's the next step for Marcus Harris. Mm. And he knows he's going to be targeted. England will be targeting him. They targeted him when he was over there and um, replaced Cameron Bancroft. Yep. In the 2019 Ashes, and so they're going to be pulling those same Warner tricks because he's even more loose outside of off stump than Dave Warner is. Mm. Yes, I'd agree. <laughs> um, get ready in the gully, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, he does look like he's fixed that technique because he used to play everything off the back foot in the air. And it looks like he's sort of changed and rectified that a little bit, but there is still that. Uh, um, looseness about his play around there that's sort of got him in trouble. Yeah, that he gets away with in the in the shield. 
and I suppose we could say everything we've just said about Marcus Harris and put in Travis Head yeah. and have the same conversation again because, again, he's a guy that showed a lot of promise at test level. I mean, he was dropped with an average of 40, which is, you know, one Considered of the, the benchmark, yeah. Considered a pretty good average. Yeah. Uh, come back in, you know, he started this domestic season strong but has sort of tapered off a little bit right until he got a, a second innings 100 after being forced to follow on yeah. against Queensland, which sort of sealed the sealed the deal for his his spot. But again, he's a player that has shown lots of promise, gets starts, and then just finds silly ways to get himself out, usually being loose outside off stump. So he's another player that's going to be targeted, I would imagine, in the same vein. Lots of around the wicket, uh, angling in, taking it away, trying to catch an edge. Yeah. Uh, and, and then again, he's another guy. Australia's you know, put a lot of faith in him. He's a young man. Again, dominates the domestic circuit. Been given a couple of cracks at it now. But, you know, th- there was that talk again in the Pakistan series um, two years ago. There was talk that Will Pukowski was going to debut in the middle order before he pulled out with um, mental health problems. Yeah. And the talk was that Travis Head had lost his spot to um, to Will Pukowski there. So he, he was dropped and then without being dropped sort of thing, yeah. that makes sense. There <laughs> wasn't recall. a game that took yeah. place, but the player pulled out before they could play, so he was back in. Mm. So he was dropped yeah. then. He's been dropped... Uh, uh, he was dropped in the um, 2019 Ashes before making his way back into the side and then dropped again. So he's a player that sort of they want to do him to do well but keeps finding his way out of the side. So he need, really needs to find some consistency. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think England will be looking at that and, and thinking that they can really make some inroads once they get three wickets down. I mean, Kerry will be on debut. Um Green has shown promise with the bat, but uh, he's still pretty new to the side. And I just think that England will fancy that they know how to get Travis Head out. Yeah. They'll have their plans to him. It's not even an overly complicated plans to get him out. That's the thing is, you know. Yeah. I remember watching one and I just boiled my blood watching it when um, they set... Uh, was it uh, two short mid... Two people on mid-wicket, short mid-wicket for that that drive, yeah. and it just took three balls for Head to play one straight to them. It's like mm. they're obviously setting you up for the traffic. Yeah. Like it couldn't be any more obvious. This is what they're bowling for, and you put up a resistance of two deliveries before just willingly getting out to it. So that's the sort of stuff that Travis Head needs to really identify and it is a bit of self-awareness about his game yeah. and know that he, like he is, he's one of the more talented stroke makers and young batsmen that we've got in in our system. Yeah. But I think it's a bit of self-awareness and knowing how are they going to get me out and maybe a little bit of arrogance going, oh, I'm good enough to play that shot. Yeah, anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. or, you know, I can just keep going. I'm feeling good. It, it's just, you know, give yourself the time to succeed. Yeah. Don't you don't need to play at everything. You don't need to assert your dominance all the time. It's okay that when you things are getting a little cramped mm. to just play the safe shot, rotate the strike. You don't need to go for the um, the glory shot all the time. And yeah, and I think once that clicks for Travis, he's going to be a very key part of our our lineup for arguably somewhere close to the next ten years. Mm, but he's I just so. he's just got to make that leap where he goes from again like Marcus Harris being a dominant domestic player to identifying what are his shortcomings at international level 
yep. and and fixing them. Cool. Can we talk about Cameron Green? Um, I think he proved himself as a batsman against India, um, but he bowled a reasonably large amount of overs and he still is yet to have a test wicket, um, which would be a little bit worrying for the selectors. He's in the side as an all-rounder. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think he'll be better for the run, I'm sure, because he was coming into that series and he was um, you know, being managed, how many overs he could bowl and all that sort of stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm sure there was a, a little bit playing on his mind about... Um, about that, and, you know, first real crack at it. The other thing go. is it's, it's the same thing as I was, I was talking about with, with Stokes. It's like, uh, well, you can have the ball after Mitchell and Josh and Pat and maybe even Nathan Lyon is done with it. You know, it depends on the conditions. Um it's not an easy gig, I don't think, being the fifth bowler. I do think that Payne didn't utilise, or didn't seem that Payne was utilising Cameron Green very well. It just sort of seemed to be bolt run in, bowl fast, uh, short, you know, nose or toes, yeah. bowl nose or toes, yeah, and then we'll go from there. And, and the Indian batsmen were were good enough to to stand to stand up to that. It's a bit it's a bit more difficult at Test level than it is at Shield level to get players out. So I think they need to be. You know, he's a good bowler. We've seen it at domestic level. He's, he's a yeah. good bowler. I think they just need to treat him when he comes on a bowl as a bowler rather than as a stopgap to give their quicks a rest and actually go, how are we going to get yeah. Cameron Green wicket? What yeah, do we well, want? What, what does he offer that's that's a little bit different? That from, we can use. Yeah. We that, yeah. you know, is he going to be that guy that comes in and roughs guys up? So you're setting, mm. you know, leg gully, bat pad and yeah. really chasing after him. And or, then, then he has an actual role. You you know it's not like okay just give us just five the, tight he's overs. He's just the guy who gets the ball last. It's like he's got to be the guy who gets the ball under these specific conditions because we think he's he's a, sh- a chance. Yeah. Even if you just think lineups between particular batsmen or and just yeah. ask him to do more with the ball. What we want you to do is we want you angling you know angling in from that fourth fifth stump line. Yeah. Um, or we want you targeting middle, targeting middle, and then backing them up, and then throwing one wide of off to ch- you know have yeah. plans yeah. to batsmen and ask him to execute those plans, other than just play it safe and just bowl us, you know, go at two and a half runs and over for your spell, and we'll call that a win sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, utilize him, and I think that uh, well, you know, according to to some of these bowlers, that a bowling captain will be. More clued more on as that how yeah. that's going to work. So hopefully we see that. And I think that even when T- uh, Steve Smith was captain, he was more uh, adventurous and more attacking than than Tim Payne was. So might find ways to better utilise Cameron Green. Yeah. Uh, mm. The other one I'd like to have a bit of a chat about too is, is Nathan Lyon. He really had a poor end to that Indian series. It started off okay and then um, yeah. sort of just petered out and was really ineffective. So. He's a player that I think, you know, with all the attention around Stark and uh, especially Warney going after him every chance he gets, it's almost become <laughs> the, the maybe because Steve Steve Waugh's not biting anymore. You yeah. know, and yeah. everyone's bought all of Warney's books about yeah. how Steve Waugh was mean to him. He needs to find a, <laughs> a a new person to go after. So that's now yeah. that's now Mitchell Stark. I think he's sort of that criticism around Stark has sort of masked that 
a little bit that Nathan Lyon has been was struggled last year and hasn't bowled particularly well in domestic level for New South Wales to begin yeah. this season. So he hasn't sort of taken a huge bag of wickets to start. So I, I for, for starters, I don't think England will play him as well as the Indians did, but there's definitely going to be, uh, I think, a, a little bit of pressure on, on Nathan Lyon to... Mm. To produce, you know. Yes, I, I'd agree, yeah. I, I think he's been a little bit from his best, even, you know, when we saw him live at that Sheffield Shield game. Um, you know, you you expect your number one spinner, a uh, guy who's, you know, nicknamed the GOAT at times, um, <laughs> to dominate at Shield level, regardless of what end of the season that's at. Mm. And he certainly... He just looked like another player. He looked like... They certainly weren't going yeah. after him. He wasn't leaking runs. But, yeah, he was struggling to, to get breakthroughs at, even mm. at domestic level. So, yeah, um, he's going to be, again, they're all, all the players are going to need to play well in this series. But he's one that I think that uh, they're going to run in with the three quicks and Cameron Green for his, for this whole series. So, Nathan Lyon is going to have uh, a lot of work to do. Yeah. Australia is not going to run into any of these games without a spinner, and that's because they've got confidence in Nathan Lyon. So yeah. Lyon's going to want to really bounce back, get that 400th wicket out of the way, and yeah. uh, hopefully go on to take a, a, a big series. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose before we, we finish up, we should have a chat about uh, how we think the series is going to go. So I think from the the tone of our conversation, we do think that Australia is going to get up on get up on top for this series. Yeah, I think the – I think – Knowing the weather around the place, there's probably going to be a draw in there somewhere. So I'll go four nil, four nil Australia. Same as same as 2017-18. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I do think that this is a, a series that England is the closest England's been to Australia in Australian conditions for a while. But I tend to think that's more towards Australia being Australia's limitations <laughs> rather than England coming from a position of strength. Yeah. So that's why England really need to capitalise at the Gabba. While yeah. there's still some doubt in the Australians' mind about how this series could go, they really need to come in. But as soon as Australia gets a sniff that they're, you know, yeah, we haven't played in, what did you say, 322 days. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't played in 322 days, but, you know, we've come out now, we've got our first five out of the way, and we've just smoked this England side. Yeah. They're just they're going to feel good about themselves, and it's mm. just going to move on. Um, I do think it's very important too that Adelaide is the second test, so that gives England a bit of a chance to bounce back. Mm. But Australia hasn't lost the day-night test, and they beat um, England with probably, a, I would argue, a better side. Yeah. I think their side last time they came out had less question marks about it. Oh, ben Stokes is a big in, yeah. but the rest, like they had Alastair Cook at the top of the order. Um you know, all of their bowlers that they brought out were four years younger. Mm. Um, so the only real gif- difference is that for the positive is Ben Stokes, but there's a lot of detractions coming out of other parts of their order. So even at Adelaide um, with Anderson, especially Anderson being four years younger, who did play well, yeah. we still comfortably won that game. So even mm. though I don't think the pink ball is a game is necessarily a, a godsend for England, it is going to be one they're going to expect to to even the thing, even the scales, yeah. so to speak. But even it's not like a okay, well, well, we'll win at Adelaide and we'll just try to do our best for the next ones. It's yeah, still very much 
I think, advantage Australia. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the Gabba, like always, is a is a going to be a key game. Even if England can get out of that with a with a draw, where they've mm. especially a draw where they've made the Australians bowl a lot, and for not really in much success, kind of like the the 2010-11 one where you know we were on top and then Cook and um, Trot had that humongous fourth innings partnership and just or third innings partnership. And just batted out. I think they were what one for five hundred declared or something. Yeah. Um, even if it breaks down like that, where they just bowl, Australia has to bowl and bowl and bowl and bowl and bowl, and they get nowhere. Mm. It's gonna. They're gonna have all sorts of horrible memories coming up of Sydney, where they couldn't get the Indians out, and Gabba, where they couldn't get the Indians out. Uh, you know, if the if that happens, Stark will come under lots and lots of pressure because. He, he just will. He's under pressure coming into the game. We struggle to bowl them out, so he's going to be under more pressure. And, you know, lines, more questions are going to be asked, all that sort of stuff. But I think, yeah, the Gabba is key. If England can come out and do something at the Gabba that means that they don't lose, yeah, it could be series on. But I think if they come out and they balls it up and Australia get off to a fast start, yeah, the only thing that could stop it being 5-0 could be the weather. <laughs> yeah. Fair assessment. I wish I had a counter opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they're, they're, it's not all straightforward. Like I said, there is some, there's some debutants in there. There's some guys that are coming back for their, their third or fourth crack at it in, in in Head and Harris. So these are the opportunities England need to jump on. But I think if if they don't jump on them, Warner's got to get away with it. Labashane is going to get away with it. Smith's going to get away with it. The bowlers are going to have a field day, and it's just going to be again business as usual. Mm-hmm. England coming out to Australia, their medium fast bowlers getting pumped around the park, and uh, mm. the middle order not standing up. And it, Joe Root could have the series of a lifetime and still end up yeah. not making any headway. So yeah, tomorrow is going to be a, a massive. The start of a massive, massive five days in the series, arguably the five most important days of the series. Yeah. So, but yes, I'm with you. I am thinking that there's going to be weather or maybe a really flat MCG wicket that comes in, so just where they can grind out a draw. But uh, I am going four nil as well. Okay. But I think it's going to be. I think it's not a Australia's going to dominate four nil. I think this 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 is the the best chance England have had for a while. Hmm. But if they don't get it right, then the Aussies are going to walk away with it. Right. Well, interesting to see. Interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. I'll be on the couch, <laughs> booked in. <laughs> All right. So uh, keep following the game with us. Let us know what you think, how how the series is going, what your expectations are, what your predictions are going to be. Uh, I suppose one last thing before we go, because it's always fun to do this. Glenn, leading run scorer for the series. Steve Smith. Leading wicket-taker for the series. Hmm. Pat Cummins. And well, obviously you're going for Australia. I yeah. am going to go uh, Steve Smith, leading run scorer. Yeah. And I'm going to go Josh Hazelwood. Did you just do Josh to be different from me? No, I actually put money on that being the <laughs> oh, outcome. Right, yeah. Smith, okay. leading put, run scorer. Hazelwood, leading wicket-taker. Australia to win. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Do it for me, boys. Do it for the boys. Christmas has come early for cricket fans everywhere. Yeah, I'd agree. 
All right, that'll do us for our Ashes preview episode. We will uh, be back next week, hopefully with Gary this time. Yeah. Go and have words to Gary. He's mm-hmm. missed a few of them. And yep. we will we'll break down all the action of what's hopefully a convincing Australian victory at the Gabba. Yep. But uh, either way, whatever it is, we'll break down the action, have a chat about it, and see how things are going to go for the remainder of the series. Yep. Until then, bye for now. Bye, guys. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.